0: All right, waiting us off here. It's why I'm on the morning show. Whether or not he's comfortable with Watson, uh, Watson, excuse me, finishing 11th on Mike Sanders' report. I've seen some of these
1: lists that have him totally agree. Just uh, intentionally totally agree. intentionally way down on the list. In this case, these are the actual people working in the league. Now, that doesn't mean that they're all necessarily right or wrong. But a good sampling of the guys that are in this the league is why, that makes money doing this and, for a living. Thank you. And, and this is why tape.
2: I make such a big damn deal about Mike Sandoz, QB tears, amongst everything else. Because all of it, every one of us all, including myself and including Anthony, these are opinions. Hey, I think this guy's a good quarterback, and let me tell you why, and you agree or disagree. These are guys who have, their names are not out there, they have no dog in the fight, they're not upset about anything that was alleged or anything like that because that's not their job to be upset about anything like that. These are pure football people. They put Deshaun Watson 11. Is that fair? Is that something I should be worried about? Obviously, no. At $230 million, it's not what you paid for. But that's as of right now. Guys can go up and down, I'm sure. That's, again, why this is such a big year for him. Yeah, I believe... If you go back to his final year in Houston,
1: the last time he played where he put up the big numbers but they lost every game, mm-hmm. certainly it certainly wasn't his fault they lost the games. We understand that. His numbers also were probably... He's still a quarterback, yeah, and
2: there's a lot of things that are outside his and power. At I that, that point,
1: too, his numbers were probably inflated because they were they were losing every game, and mm-hmm. and you know teams will let you throw the ball up and down the field. With that said, he was good. I mean, I, I remember making a case for him. He was really good. I think at that time, he had to have been probably fifth you know on that list. So he's he's been docked accordingly based on what we saw last year, the rust factor and and him just being out all that time. There was going to be you know an evaluation that probably wasn't as rosy. With that said, I'm I'm comfortable with 11. Honestly,
0: I'm not really comfortable with 11. I just disagree. I'm happy that Lime was comfortable with it, but I I'm just not. I if there's seven quarterbacks and that's the number. There are seven other quarterbacks in the AFC that are above Deshaun Watson, and the top five on that list are all members of the AFC. I'm sorry, that's just too much of a hurdle to overcome. I, I can't live in that world. I just refuse to. It's just it's too tough. I need Deshaun Watson to be better than the 11th best quarterback. I need him to be a top five. I need him to be in that top five AFC quarterback list, so that anytime you enter a game, you can legitimately think quarterbacks are going to play about a wash. It's gonna be a coin flip everywhere else. Let's figure this whole thing out. Here's where we're gonna have our advantages. Here's where we're gonna go ahead and win this game. Every game outside of Mahomes, we we should get Watson well, to a point. Two hundred thirty million dollars guaranteed should get me to a point where every game outside of Kansas City, we get to call the quarterbacks a wash. You want to extend that out to Mahomes and Burrow? I can listen to the conversation. But you're telling me against Justin Herbert, Herbert's got the advantage all time? That's not why we paid that much money. No. You paid that, that amount of guaranteed money and you made that deal because, and you, went, you moved on from Baker Mayfield with the idea that he would get you to a point where when you took on the big dogs, the Herberts of the world, it was going to be a wash at worse. That's why they've spent so much developing the other parts of that team. He needs to be at least as good as some of these other quarterbacks. No doubt about it. 11th isn't good enough for me. All right. Nick and Dustin on the Aaron Savalle trade to Tampa Bay. Part of my thinking on this is
3: clouded by the Guardians' inability to evaluate and develop hitters. I just, I mean, they can't evaluate successfully the guys they have in-house Like, right now, if you still had Nolan Jones and Will Benson, your outfield would be fixed. Like, you wouldn't have a spot for Will Brennan. Oh, darn. Ah, I can't. uh, He'd be a fourth outfielder. That's what Will Brennan would be. So, or maybe he'd be a fifth outfielder, and then it's Benson and Straw in center field. Actually, yeah, I think that's really my concern. That might actually be my number one concern. The Guardians just seem to be incapable of getting hitting right right now. And you traded what is easily your most valuable chip with Shane Bieber on the IL, and you got a really nice prospect who also has been having shoulder injury and has not hit the one thing that he's elite at. He's not been elite at this year. Again, battling shoulder injury, so that's a fair. I want to give the kid credit on that. I think it's you add that to man, this sure feels like. Ah, we'll see what happens in this this season. Instead of we've got somebody that can help us win adds up, it's just a lot of I don't know with this trade.
0: I I feel good about it. I I feel fantastic about it. I I don't have a a bunch of I don't know. The team knows what they're doing. That's my take on it. They know what they're doing. They're not trying to win the World Series this year. They're they're worried about future versions of themselves. It should make you mad. But honestly, you watch this team. They're a 500 team. They're not not an all-world team. They're a 500 team. And if you're a 500 team and you get someone like Aaron Savali who has outperformed his expectations, you trade him. That's what you do. When, you, when you're able to get that type of return, you trade him and you worry about the future. Rosario's gone because they're worried about the future. Now Savali's gone because they're worried about the future. I don't know how many signs they have to continue to, to, to tell the fan base that they're not trying for this year. If they luck into an AL Central win, they're not going to say, oh, we don't want to participate this year. That's not what they're doing, but ultimately they're not going for it by any stretch or measure. So you just have to at least act accordingly based off of that info and what they're trying to tell you guys based off of these moves. All right, next up. Baskin and Phelps on whether or not the Hall of Fame game could become a regular season game every year. There are a bunch of things that are going through my mind right now, like especially the timing of things. First of all, I don't necessarily think you have to marry the game with the enshrinement, do you? Well, it, it, course, is, take, it is now, but the game's
4: a waste.
0: Yeah, the game is a waste. But so I don't know that they need to be married. Why couldn't you do the enshrinement now, and then play the game week one of the NFL season? I, I don't agree. Like to me, I, I don't.
3: I don't think that's a big deal.
0: It's more to me. It's more
1: of a plug for the Hall of Fame because it kind of gets a double whammy. NFL Network all this week. Yeah, you know, and they'll they'll be putting everything on there, and then
0: network TV for the the big game that actually means something first game of the year they, they don't have the attendance in order to make this work now if you want to say they want to blow out the amount of fans that they currently can sit and then make it even larger I it feels like a lot for a, a regular season game but correct me if I'm wrong I, I believe it only hold it holds like 30,000 people right it's not I'll, to, I'll look it up in between the break I don't think it's one of these places that holds 60,000 or so. That would really surprise me. In fact, I broadcasted from that stadium before, and so I've I've done I actually did a I did a game there. The only game I've ever called in my life, okay? Only game I've ever I'm not a play-by-play guy. I'm I'm a sports talk radio host. That's that's what I do. And I do not do play-by-play, but my little brother's college went to St. Ambrose University. They needed a place to play, and they needed a... Or not a place to play, for me. They had a place to play. They needed a broadcaster. And uh, I said I would do the game. My little brother did the the coward commentating. I did the play-by-play. Only game I've ever called was with my little brother. And it, it was great. We had a lot of fun. It was awesome. And, but it was not... I don't remember that being a massively large stadium. And I think that's got to be one of the big things that would hold back. I know you're like, but Jonathan, they've played all these sorts of games at different stadium levels before. Chargers, for instance, Chargers in a whole season and like a 25,000 seat stadium. That's all good and fine. But if you want to grow the game, only time you're going to do it in a 25,000 seat stadium is if it's the only stadium in a place like, Mexico City or something. I, I somewhere that really actually grows the game in the process. Chargers were the exception because of logistics. It's not it's not something they want to make a habit out of. It's a lot of money that's just out of their pockets and doing that. It just it makes no financial sense in my estimation. Canon <whistles> Lima on Lima hanging out with Turtle from Entourage.
2: What I'm pointing out. Is in my age group, my buddies. Turtle was the guy. Ari was great. Ari was great, and everybody else was great. Really, age ringers, years, whatever. Yeah, but it, Ari was great. He was great in Median. Yeah, but Jerry Ferrara, Turtle was the guy. Turtle was. The he guy. had all the lines. Him and Pippin yes. both had all the lines. Because they had all it, the good it, stuff. regular people could like regular people could associate with him. And We were regular guys. And there was like, well, if one of our buddies ended up making it big, like, it was a big deal. And he was trying. He was a hard worker and all that stuff. Someone find it out. Tell him to come in. I'll let him host. No, it's a no, brand. no Right we'll, with, with we us. Will,
1: we will give the show. It'll still be we'll called the Ken Carmen him. Show. But it will be given to Jerry Ferrara. The show will be given to Jerry. I mean, I'm what, not going to give him the show. I, I got to come in the next day. But, I, I, I mean, he can come in. Yeah, oh, can I come just in. assumed he'd keep coming in. He's on strike. What's he going to do? Sit at home? Watch his kids? I mean, move to Cleveland to have that family life. But... That probably got old after he, three
2: weeks. Like he, okay. Is he allowed? What do you mean? Is he allowed?
0: I mean, it did oh, like with his, way, his I totally wife agree. make him go get the food instead of coming like, Is he allowed
2: show? to do media
0: oh, while yeah. they're that's on the strike? Thing, is that a scab see, That's move? the
2: one thing a lot of them have been talking about. Podcasting and all that is like their last But basket. they
1: cannot promote.
2: It's a weird yes. thing. They're oh, not allowed to promote true. or market Wait. any of the stuff. Really? Yeah. I can, though. The the Mantis will get, it, will get them. So I don't know if He's not allowed to be on the Mantis, mm-hmm. on the camera. But, but so wait, so, hey, come on in. We'll work out all the details. We'll make it we very. Can put easy a voice
0: you. modulator on him, and
2: yeah, come on in. That's
1: right. Yeah, we can we can make him look like he's in the witness protection program. Yeah, put a mask not? over his face. Whatever.
0: I think <laughs> Donovan Mitchell should go.
2: <laughs> no, I, no, I can't do that. <laughs> Who's in studio with us? He was, sounds like Kane in the WWE. <laughs> he
1: was very pleasant. And he loves sports talk radio.
0: I love this. I love that he's, you know, now in Cleveland. I also I love the whole story. Lima just hanging out with him at a at a random get-together. I love the the part about his wife just having no sense of impressive. Like I'm like, wow, that's that's Turtle from Entourage. Love that part of the story. Because that's how you know she actually likes like really likes Maima as a person and not necessarily Lima-like radio star. You know, she's completely unfazed by all she cares. She just dialed in on the kid. I love that. Love that part of the story. I thought that was hysterical. But here's the thing. I went to Turtle's page. Turtle, first off, was not the best character on Entourage. It It was easily Jeremy Piven. Nobody can really rewrite it any sort of way. Ari Gold was the very best. That's just what it was. Turtle had great lines. Turtle also hooked up with, uh, uh, a lot of like that part of things was very cool that they always gave Turtle, like, you know, the best looking girls in the show to hook up with. That was always fun. But I looked up Turtle's Instagram today. I have no problem playing, uh, playing, I like playing public golf courses. That's the only thing I, I play is public golf courses. You're Turtle from Entourage. Why are we playing the same golf courses, sir? You're a big time golfer. You like golfing as your hobby. Why are you playing the same? Country club, or the same public courses I am, and not some of these like you know Canterbury's and all the really good country clubs. Why aren't you out there hobnobbing? I feel like he needs to do more in the in the uh, the Cleveland hobnob scene. Your turtle, turtle in Cleveland is a legitimate star. Come on, he can make this happen. No more, no more the public courses like I play. You you can you can find your way into some of the nicer courses. I'm sure of it. I like this. I like the fact that he could be listening to that right now and be like, oh, man, that's that's your takeaway? And then probably tell me to, you know, say, I'll be in touch. I'll be in touch with him, okay? We'll get you hooked up. Not at the country clubs. I don't have that connection. But anywhere else. Anywhere else we want to go. Let's do this. Uh, last up here, Nick and Dustin on the fight at the Greenbrier to close out practices. I think Oboe did like what I would do to like my older brother when he's yeah. trying to fall asleep. Yep. And just
3: go like tickle his feet and run away. Yep. That, um, <laughs> that's, just... that's 100% what it looked like. Yes. Is somebody trying to mess with their older sibling and then just didn't run away fast enough. I just... <laughs> that was hilarious. I, here's the thing. This is... this What this is for me is file in the back of your head. File in the back of your head for if there's something... And I kind of felt this way about, like, Juan Thornhill's comments about uh, all the negativity from Browns fans. Like, this doesn't matter until it matters. This doesn't matter until Obo Okoronkwo gets a stupid penalty week three that puts you in a a, a situation that you might not win a game because of it. Yeah. It's like uh, there was something, and I cannot remember what it was before the helmet situation with Dwayne Rudd. But I remember there being something that that folks here were like, I don't know if I like that Dwayne Rudd. And then the helmet thing happened, and people turned on him and referenced that thing. That's what this is. It does not matter until it matters. Also, as camp fight go, or camp camp fights go, it was the softest uh, camp fight we've we've. I think I, I remember. That's fair. Like every year, the Browns, whether it's with at the joint practices at just their own practices where they turn on each other. I kind of, listen, I realize that it's been a while since we've had like real football and we're coming back up on that. Uh, Coming up on Thursday, as a matter of fact, kind of left me wanting more. Like if you're going to piss off your head coach, if you're going to piss off the coordinators, if you're going to get everybody on the team extra work,
2: earn it.
0: I guess so. Earn it? I get the logic. I get the logic. You're going to make people uh, you know, all be mad at you. You know, At least make sure you get it done right. That's where I want to go with you guys. Do camp fights mean anything to you? But more importantly, there's something that happened after the camp fight that I think is a big problem for the Browns moving forward. I'll explain what that is as well. We'll get to Off the Beaten Path coming up at 940. It's overtime with Jonathan Beatle and here with you on the Fan. All righty, back out of here on the van. It is overtime with Jonathan Piedo. we we'll gets to off the beaten path in about twenty minutes. And you know, before we get back to the Browns and and whether that fight meant anything, and my big takeaway that happened after the fight, I think I might be becoming a history guy. Don't hold me to it, though. Don't hold me to it. I, you know, I, a couple weeks ago, I was I was going through some of my like I'm I'm basically as much of a guy's guy as you could picture up in that. I golf all the time. I drink scotch. That's really all I need, right? Like that's a, that's a big that's a big two ones. I drink I drink scotch and uh, and I golf all the time. As far as being a dude is concerned, I think that's uh, that that checks off a lot of the boxes. The, the things I don't do that a lot of guys do do though is, and I've just made peace with this. Like there's a couple things that I just I don't love as much as most dudes. Love. And there are definitely certain things I love that are the least manly thing in the world as well. Just need to throw that out there. Like I I we're across the board in a lot of different areas, but I tend to think I skew more guys guy, right? You know, I'm obviously I'm obsessed with sports. I'm on a sports talk radio station talking sports. Again, scotch, golf. I'm I'm checking a lot of the boxes here. But I don't love cars the same way that a lot of dudes love cars, and I don't love history. The same way that a lot of dudes love history. And this morning, I spent like an hour and a half going through some of the, uh, the history lessons of past. And I was, a couple things, couple things. And I know, it's like, how can this be mind-blowing to you? It's history. It's been around, uh, you know, we've had 80 years for you to figure out what happened in 1945. I know, I know, I know. It's not my thing. It's just, it's never been my thing, but I was scrolling through on Facebook and I saw something from Hiroshima and I was like, wait a second. I can't remember who the president was during Hiroshima. I have no idea who that is. And it just blanked on me. I had no idea who the president was during Hiroshima, zero clue. And so I went and I looked it up and then I saw that it was Truman and I was like, wait, okay. So Truman authorized it all. That was, that was Truman's deal. I did a report on Truman. In fourth grade, okay, they gave each one of our class members, everyone got a president, right? And I got Truman as my president. And the only thing of consequence that I had with Truman was him holding up the paper of, like, him where he thought that he had lost. And it was like the printer, that the paper printed out that he had lost, but really he had won. And it was like one big gag joke or whatever. And I was like, it. Yeah, that, that was the only thing of consequence. I wrote a whole biography on Truman and didn't once mention anything about Hiroshima or any of the atomic bombs or anything. And obviously Oppenheimer's got everyone interested in some of the atomic bomb stuff. So I think that's why it popped up to begin with. But I was like, wait a second. Nobody taught me any of this nonsense. And then on top of it, here's where I felt bad. I felt bad because I've been going through my entire life when people ask me who my favorite president is. I've always just said Truman because I did this report on him in fourth grade. I had no idea. Nobody, nobody. Nobody. Now, one person then said, oh, you love the dude that was responsible for hundreds of thousands of people, innocent people just dying that nobody ever brings up. I guess I did. I guess I did. Would have been nice, LaVita, to tell me what was going on in history class there. Would have been nice, somebody, to tell me what was going on. I had no idea. Zero idea. He was just my, my boilerplate's favorite president answer. Because I did a book report on him in fourth grade that he was randomly assigned, and I was like, oh, "He seems like a decent guy." Because of course he seemed like a decent guy. I didn't have the internet back then. There was no internet when I was doing these book reports in fourth grade, so like it wasn't like I was like, "Oh, I just didn't have, didn't understand how Wikipedia worked." No, they gave you got the the history books they gave you, and those history books weren't putting anything like that in in the print. And there we are. So I read it for like an hour and a half, two wars. and I ended up. Uh, two hours. I ended up uh, th- talking about like the war on terror and all these different type of things. You really go down a nice little black hole if you want to go down that hole. So I don't understand the appeal of history, but I might be more interested in history today than I was, let's say, I don't know, 24 hours ago. I want to find out what else I got wrong and what, what kind of idiotic things I'm telling people that everyone apparently knows that I just, not a history guy, not a history guy. Anyway, kind of fun learning today. It's fun learning. I did. I, I thought to myself, I'm like, if if I showed this type of interest in like fifth grade, people would have been like, oh, oh, geez, you could you could really you could do something with that history. You could do something. You could figure something out. No, no, not a not a chance. But like, come on, Truman, come on. Anyway, you saw the fight. Speaking of fights, you saw the fight at camp that ended at the Greenbrier, and. Bobo barely tapped him. Hudson snapped for some reason. Maybe he didn't want to be disrespected. I'm not sure, but it was a a light slap. In that setting, I think it's different than when someone slaps you in an office setting. You know, real life, someone slaps me like that. I'm probably mad about it. It felt close to, you know, the glove slap you do when you wanted pistols at dawn with someone. If you're either a, a Hamilton era human or Homer Simpson, pistols at dawn. Look at me. What a history buff I am. Look at me just bringing all these things out. One of the lamest camp fights I've ever seen before the punch. The punch itself was a real punch, though. But that's just because James Hudson clearly just wanted to punch someone. I don't need to be out here looking like the groundskeeper from Rudy. Just, you know, emphatic slow clap applause. So much delight in my eyes because a camp fight does for me about as much as watching them all do the sprints they did after. Was Hudson mad because Oboe was making him look stupid consistently? That's what I want to know. You know, Travis Kelsey got in a fight the other day. The best of teammates and people we consider to be great leaders wet the moment on the football field sometime, get the best of them. It happens. It's not something I can make a big deal out of. I just, I can't do it. I won't do it. I'm not going to do it. I can't get all up in arms over a camp fight. Here's what I can get all up in arms over, though. And you can let me know. There are times, and I'll admit this to you guys because we're friends. There are times where I will make a big deal out of something that I think is a big deal, but then I turn around and I'm like, "Uh, you guys don't think it's as big of a deal as I do. Okay, fine. Maybe I missed that one just a little bit. But... After they got in the fight, Kevin Stefanski made them run laps. They're supposed to do three laps. Watch the video. Go watch it. You tell me if you thought anyone ran hard. You tell me if you thought anybody ran with authority, anybody ran as if they were actually trying to impress Kevin Stefanski. It didn't even feel like they were getting cardio out there. I run faster than these guys, and these guys are professional athletes. That was a light jog at best. And I think it's symbolic, as of right now, of the lack of respect that Kevin Stefanski gets from these guys. Do you think Bill Belichick, when he tells his players to sprint, do you think they jog or do you think they actually sprint? Do you think they actually get out there and, and run? I, I'm sorry. I I that, that was the worst part of all this to me. It wasn't Oboe versus Hudson. It wasn't this big, magnificent fight or anything attached to it or the lead-up to it that was basically a, a glove slap, as I mentioned previously. It wasn't really that. The The big thing for me was this idea that Kevin Savansky didn't get the Browns players to buy in to what he was trying to get them to buy into. And then he called it. Then he called the practice and was like, "All right, everyone, uh, we're gonna let the the moving trucks uh, get everything on the moving trucks and get out of here. Let these guys uh, pack up things for the Greenbrier and let's get this thing going." I just, if you're Kevin Safansky and you say "run," the answer should be it'd be like if I say "jump" and you say "how high." The the running equivalent of that, how fast? That should be what they say. They just for some reason, you can look at the video; it's everywhere online. These Browns players, they just go through this light saunter, this light jog. They couldn't win a race against toddlers with how slow they were going. I don't know why all of a sudden Kevin Safansky thought that was acceptable. One of two things should have happened. Either Kevin Safansky stopped their running and said, you don't give me that half-ass attempt at a run. You're going to run six times, like his 1945 practices. You're going to run six times, and you're going to run your butt off and make a count. Or the second thing that should have happened, and again, I don't know why none of these things did happen, but Kevin Stefanski should have, in that moment, scolded the living daylights out of those players for that half-assed effort that they gave. These are the little things. I, I just I hate to make a a, a you know, massive deal out of a just a, a molehill, really. But I, I I look at these and I always think about this with sports. And I think about this with life. The little things add up. You know, my boss, I got respect for both of my bosses. I I have, like, seven bosses. I shouldn't say both of my bosses. I have a lot of bosses here. I have respect. I have respect for my bosses. If they were to tell me to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it to my best ability. I'm I'm not going to slap them in the face in the process. When you jog, I don't care if you ran a – and these practices have not been hard. I don't care if you're out there for two hours, though. He says go out there and sprint because your teammates got got in a fight and you're mad about it, whatever. You go and do that. You run your butt off. I mean, my goodness, there, aren't, there are there there are, are college players that wouldn't act this way. How Dominic was a college player. Dominic, you were a D3 college football player, were you not? Yes. When your coach asked you to run a sprint because a teammate, somebody messed up, did you jog? Uh, I would try to run as fast as I can to meet the time requirement. I like it. There was at least a time requirement. There yeah. was something that held some sort of standard. It wasn't a brisk walk, was it not? No, and even if there wasn't, if it was just a punishment, you for sure were not doing that because our coaches held us to a standard. Right. And we would not be jogging. We'd be getting screamed at and then run hills. This is what's supposed to happen. I hate to be like, uh, again, old school football on this one, but uh, I promise you, Belichick tells the Patriots players to go run. They're running their butt off. They're not doing this light jog nonsense. If I was Stefanski, I would have stopped it right then and there. But you know what? He didn't stop it right then and there. I I thought the whole thing was I thought I thought it was problematic. I really did. Uh, how you treat your coach in that instance and the lack of respect you showed for what he had to say to you, I just I thought it meant something. I really did. I don't think they respect Kevin Safansky the way that they should. Uh, and again, I, I don't. I shouldn't say should. Shouldn't say should. As far as they know right now, a lot of these players on this roster, they've been with Stefanski for 3 years, and Stefanski hasn't won them as much as a stuffed teddy bear. So I can't sit here and tell you that they need to respect Kevin Stefanski, but I'm telling you right now, when the group doesn't like that, something's wrong. Something's not adding up. Especially when it's July 31st. This isn't even, you know, week 12 of the season, and they're 2 and 10 and it's going nowhere and it's like, "All right, I get it." I don't want to be here. You don't want to be here. Let's put on the show so we can all cash checks. This is July 31st, and they're out here gas when they spent all week at a resort in West Virginia? Are you kidding me? Absolutely ridiculous, my estimation. All right, leave that there. We come on back. we got to get to off the beaten path. Mitcha Palooza will join us coming up next. By the way, John on Twitter, good addition by John. John says, don't forget your love of lawn stripes. Nails it. it. You're right. You're right. Scotch, golf, lawn maintenance. That's a thing. Sports. I'm a sports talker. I check off all the boxes. I don't do history. I don't do cars. Maybe I'm going to become a history guy. Every dude in the world loves history. I'm like the last dude in the world not to like, oh, there's a WW2 book. Let's just spend an entire Sunday reading that. Like the last guy in the world that doesn't do that. Maybe now I'm that guy. More to come right here on the fan. All righty, back of here on the fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Peter, and now let's get to Mitch Palus as we go
4: off the beaten path. Hello, Mitch. How you doing tonight? Doing well, Jonathan. We uh, kind of continued our your talk on air about history into the break just now. Yeah, I, I didn't know your dad. I feel like you told me that at one
0: point, that your dad was a, a history teacher. But I did not remember that in the
4: moment. So you're you're their dead ringer. Absolutely. No, I, that was the one class especially where I really had to pay attention. But it wasn't solely because I wanted to do well in his class. It's like I really took to history compared to some of the other subjects. And it kind of just stayed in my brain for all these years.
0: Well, I would hope so. I mean, if your dad was very fascinated by it. But I'm telling you, every dude, every dude loves history. I'm the only dude on planet Earth that is not just really enamored myself with history and again this morning i was up for like an hour and a half i started i went i went through it all you had no i i knew nothing about the cold war learned all about that this morning i was doing all sorts of research on it was really it was a big war day mitchapalooza we started (laughs) we started with everything in 45 uh with hiroshima and then we just kind of made our way through to the different wars i mean wikipedia is incredible though they got like win loss <laughs> records like it's a seven three Orioles Yankees game true. from three years ago. It's it you here lined up the Allied forces lined up against the different people. They said exactly what happened in the different ways that it happened. No, I I don't know. I mean how how accurate is Wikipedia? I have no idea. I am just kind of taking it for whatever it's worth. But yeah, it was fascinating. Absolutely fascinating.
4: I think with Wiki it's better than it had been in the past. Like back like nowadays you can really tell when somebody has gone in and edited something. But back then, it used to be like the Wild West, essentially, where you could get into some serious trouble. And they didn't let you use it as a source back then. Did they let you not use it as a source when you were in school? Because that was my thing. Like, you weren't allowed to use Wikipedia on your works cited page.
0: Uh, no, because I, I'm a dinosaur. I'm 34 years old. And ah. I don't remember ever using Wikipedia to cite anything for a paper.
4: Like, mm. anything.
0: may I, I think Wikipedia hit its stride when I was in college. But I remember in high school, it was nothing. I remember the very first project because I told this all stemmed from me talking about in fourth grade I did a, a project on Truman and I had no idea about any of the atomic bombs or any of that because the the history books didn't tell me anything about it and I just did I went this entire time without knowing and telling people Truman was my favorite president and no one ever gave me a bad response to that they should have <laughs> no one ever did but I remember the very first project I ever did that I used the internet for it was in seventh grade Every kid got a disease. We had to do a product on different diseases. And every kid got a different disease. And I got mononucleosis. I don't know why she gave me mononucleosis. It's just mono. I don't know why. But I remember it being mononucleosis. It's like the actual term for it. And I remember going to Google and typing in mononucleosis and trying to get as much info as I possibly could on it. But it was just not enough there. Like, there just wasn't enough. And I was like, I... I I had to go to the library. I, I, I had to go to the library. I... I spent half of my childhood going to the library, and the other half having the internet just be there and open for everyone, and it being fine. So I have a weird, I have a weird setup that way. In that I think I'm like, I'm like one of the last groups of people that was like in third grade, being like, "Hey, Dad, why is this happening?" And he'd be like, "Yeah, got to go to the library." And then if I if I was curious enough, and I'm a curious person, but if I, I like you had to really judge. Whether or not you were curious enough to walk your happy ass over to the library, pull out the book
4: with the answer, and then find it and go, which is painful. I really want to believe that when you brought your project home to your parents, the first thing that came out of your mouth was, I am mono. No,
0: no. Uh, seventh grade me was a very unattractive child. very right. painfully unattractive child. Yeah, yeah, they, they knew nothing was going on there. I mean, I could talk to girls. It was fine, but I was I was not a good-looking young kid. It was not uh you know, I had a bad combo going where I had, I had, uh, uh, my teeth weren't great because at one point I got, I got hit by a pitch in baseball and it gave me, it like rubbed up my teeth and that wasn't great. And I had to get braces. Right. But you're in seventh grade. So you're like, well, wait, I got glasses. I can't have glasses and braces. It was like that little stretch in between where little, little, little Jonathan was trying to be the cool kid at school, but then was like want me to get braces too and that ain't great that's not great for anybody so yeah I was a painfully unattractive seven uh seventh grader
4: i went through the braces period too it was a bit of a bit of a struggle especially during uh those formative years
0: man to think we made it out alive (laughs) and here we are today me celebrating my two-year anniversary to my lovely and gorgeous wife and i couldn't be happier all right what do we got tonight
4: all right, so the first topic we have here is about Aaron Rodgers, who uh, is giving a, actually taking a pay cut to join the New York Jets this season. On Wednesday, Rodgers agreed to sign a two-year deal with $75 million guaranteed through 2024, but it's kind of through options, so essentially $35 million is what he'll be leaving on the table for the Jets. Uh, Rodgers was asked about the move, told Peter King that he thought it was important to know how committed he was and that he could allow the team to potentially make moves down the line, especially towards a trade deadline, because he kind of cited, you know, there are more moves made during the trade deadline now and at certain points during the season, especially for big time players. So how much stock do you think we should put into Rogers seemingly giving charity to help out his new team? I have a rule on this. I think it should be
0: enacted, but it, but it isn't. If you give back money, if you do the Tom Brady or now the Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers has just legitimately gave back $35 million. I believe you should then have say in who they end up spending the money on. Only the $35 million. Now, Aaron Rodgers has a seat at the table anyway. That's part of this deal with the Jets. He's going to have inclusion. But I believe if it's the $35 million he gave up, he should have full autonomy for where that $35 million goes. And I think that's kind of what he did it for. Like, hey, I want this. I want receiver X. Go out and get me that guy. And then they can't turn around and say, oh, but we're broke. Or oh, we don't have the money to do it. Like, no, you have the money. I gave you the money. Now go out and, and make this happen. I think that's what he's doing it for. You know, Aaron Rodgers at such an interesting point in his career. I believe at this point, he needs players more than he's ever needed them, right? And I think he understands that. He needs he needs really good weapons. And I don't think he can get away without having really good weapons. And maybe this is part of way part of a way of getting that done.
4: I tried making sure I got the numbers right on this. He moved back a $58.3 million option bonus to 2024, which means that he'd be owed more than $107 million that season. That's insane for a 40 year quarterback, no matter how many MVPs he's won.
0: Yeah, again, it, it, it's that, that, that's fun money, you know what I mean? But the actual number is about $35 million or so that he's actually legitimately just giving right. back to them. And that's the important part. That's what you got to – his bottom line at the end of the day will look like that. I think the assurance of this, though, as you mentioned, the insurance, the assurance of this yeah. is fantastic for Jets fans to know he's not just one and done. He's got some skin in the game. They are our ba- buddy it's Kostas.
4: essentially backloading it via options so that they yeah. probably won't have to, tr- to give it to him because I don't know if he's going to last five more years. No. This is right in the NFL. Then again, Tom Brady lasts as long we thought. Who knows? Um, I'd be worried about this next year and how it goes if, I'm, if so, I'm Jets fans. I'm worried about it for him. Well, two quarterbacks that I'm not so sure will last as long as Brady or uh, Rodgers will be uh, two of them in Tampa Bay, Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. There's a QB battle going down in Tampa. Obviously, I still think that Baker's probably going to be the week one QB, but there's been some reports from Tampa camp that uh, Kyle Trask might be the one that's outperforming right now. Greg Allman of Fox Sports tweeted today that Baker has a total of four interceptions through five Bengals practices. Trask has one. And I wrote, uh, I read uh, SB Nation's Evan Wanisch today that Baker had one pass today, tipped and picked off uh, while well, he threw another one straight up in the end pick. zone. The pick was awful. Yeah. He also wrote, quote, Trask showed accuracy and some serious zip on the ball while Mayfield struggled at times with hitting his targets, unquote. Now it's early in camp, and I still think it will be the starter. Baker will be. But is there a serious QB battle brewing in Tampa? I
0: think if Kyle Trask wins, it's because the the Buccaneers wanna they wanna get Caleb Williams. They want the number one overall pick. This is their way of securing it. If Baker is the week one quarterback though, I think the weaker quarterback's gonna win out. Because I think they want Caleb Williams. And you can't publicly say you want to play the weaker guy. So I, maybe Baker knows that. Maybe Baker knows that. He's tanking the competition. That would be a a bridge too far. I don't think he's going to go down that road. If Baker doesn't win and it ends up being Kyle Trask, expect Baker to ask a trade the very next day. That's just how Baker operates. Because Baker would be done. No one in the NFL would give him a starting opportunity if he doesn't do that right away. And so, yeah, he's really – this is his last shot. He's on one of the worst teams in the NFL. <sighs> I hate how this has become his life. I really do. It's so bothersome to me. I feel so bad for him. He was just – he was uh, too many coordinators, too many coaches. He got jerked around. I'm telling you, I've never seen a better college quarterback from a efficiency standpoint. I've seen better college quarterbacks. Right. You know, Tebow was one of the best college quarterbacks you'd ever see, right? But from an efficiency standpoint, what I thought would translate to the NFL – I it's amazing to me how Baker just never got it figured out. But too many people messed with him. He had too many cooks in the in the kitchen, and it never it never got there. I hate that this is his outcome. Though he deserves so much better than that.
4: It's unfortunate, and time is going to tell whether or not he'll be able to continue being a starter in the continue being a quarterback in the NFL. Let yeah, alone I mean, a little bit, Because he's
0: not going to light it up in Tampa Bay. That's not going to happen. Probably we all not. know that. So even if he wins out the battle, it's going to be this long road to then. Uh, Baker finding his way on a college football site is that talking about because he's not going on an NFL set. That's not happening. You have to have success in order to go on an NFL or time. You either got to wait like 10 years or you got to – it's rare to go right from the NFL being as dog of a quarterback as he's been. There are guys. I'm not saying Baker's that guy. Baker Baker looks much better in the college football world than he does the NFL world. He could instantly go on like the Fox noon kickoff show – and be heralded and awesome and all those type of things.
4: NFL, will all look at him like a slappy in the NFL. We don't want him talking the NFL game. I do agree that he'll probably be on a college show rather than NFL should he choose to do so. However, he does have, I think, one more playoff win than a guy who is on uh, a major NFL uh, network show. And that is Dan Orlovsky, who was on ESPN's first yeah, take. Yeah, but Dan had there. to
0: wait time. Yeah. Dan had to wait time. And Dan also was the right mix of uh, backup it started a little bit, but like he was enough of a mix of no one took him seriously as a quarterback. We took Baker seriously, like RG three for instance. RG three was awesome. Yep, won the rookie of the year, did all that, and then was made a glass, and it was what it was. And RG three had to wait the appropriate amount of time before then he could go into that world. Right? There's 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 enough there. But RG3 was still awesome enough. I think it outbalanced a lot of it. With Baker, I think he'd be good at it. I don't think we'd take his word seriously enough right now. We're in a college game. He could step on any set and instantly be awesome. All right, what, what did Orlovsky say? I'm sorry.
4: Orlovsky was talking earlier today on ESPN about uh, Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields, who had yep. a bit of a, a bounce-back sophomore year after struggling his rookie season. Now, even though he enters this year with as much potential as he does questions, Orlovsky uh, says he expects Fields to be around near MVP status for this season. Now, Keep in mind, this is, he, he one of the things he cites is that Chicago is, uh, like, QB Siberia last season that no quarterback was should have wanted to play there, and Fields did the best with what he had. And this year he gets a new wide receiver in DJ Moore. They're bolstering the rest of that roster. I think that feel. I hope that Fields can keep developing. But do we think MVP status should be the expectation? Yeah, MVP is a little bit much there. I love what Fields could be though.
0: I really do. I don't think people. Quite put together how effective he was on the ground last year. He was so incredible. But the the best part about that is that that's not what he did great at Ohio State. I think he's got everything. I think he was given an awful circumstance last year. No weapons around him. No offensive line. No anything. This year it's going to be a lot better for him. He's going to have a lot better passing numbers. His year two, though, his year two rushing numbers are very similar to Lamar Jackson in year two. Like, And and in, in that year two for Lamar, that's the year that he won the league MVP. I'm telling you, there could be big things on the horizon for Justin Fields. There really could. And that is off the beaten path. All right, nice job, Mitch. We come on back. What Browns player is facing the most pressure beyond Deshaun Watson? Two one six 92 we We'll do it next, right here on the fan.